And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 177, aka season 2, episode 45. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with uh, no MC, no MC this week. Uh, Richie Rich flying solo. Uh, MC is at the Liberty International World Conference uh, in Poland. Uh, I guess starts depending on the time zone. Uh, today or tomorrow, uh, I'm recording Saturday morning, this conference starts on the 12th, today is the 11th. Uh, he flew out yesterday, so no MC for the next couple of shows. Um, and you know what that means, uh, the show is going to be boring, we're not going to have a lot of conversations, and it's pretty much going to be Richie Rich reads the news, um, so I, I hope you like the sound of my voice. Um, and then who knows, after that, uh, we they're, they're, I'm going to do my best to not put the show uh, on hiatus, uh, but I'm moving. As part of the Free State Project at the beginning of September, um, so we'll see. We'll see how much recording gets done while I'm on the road and, and getting set up on the other side. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a little bit of that for you. Um, the only thing that I have to talk about aside from reading the news is the unfortunateness uh, of my latest adventures in legal land. Um, I don't know if I discussed it pre-show before or if I discuss it on the show. Um, because of my move for the free state project, um, I was, I was running out of time to wrap up, uh, my latest court case. Um, and I was planning, I was planning and I would have loved to like fought it all the way and, you know, really, really gave them hell. Um, but that would have extended it beyond, uh, you know, our, our flight out and our move in at the, the next stop. Um, so I caved, I, I pled out, um, the, the, the only, the only solace I take to pleading out is, you know, it, it, I wasted like, you know, 10, almost 10, nine, 10 months of their time and mine, but whatever. I like doing this, um, of their time for what amounted to be like a hundred dollar fine. Um, and if you've ever been to court, you know, that along with the fines, they like to tack on, uh, fees upon fees and surcharges and so on and so forth. Um, and there's like a, a $30, uh, victim compensation fee, um, that I had, I really did not want to pay. So the, the new attorney, the, the, uh, the conflict counsel that they appointed to me, um, said, you know, like, uh, don't, don't count on that getting waived. And there's, you know, she talked to the prosecutor. They weren't willing to reduce the fine to compensate for that. Um, so on and so forth. And so when the, the, you know, when the judge announced it, um, I just said, can that one be waived? Um, and then, you know, she said, why? And I, I would have liked to say, because there's no fucking victim in my case. Like, I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't take anybody's stuff. There was no rights violation, so on and so forth. Uh, but again, keeping my mouth shut, like, you know, looking, trying to, trying to focus on the bigger picture here, um, deferred to my attorney. And because I'm going in for uh, surgery next week and I'm going to be taking some time off of work, um, they, they waived it under an economic hardship. Um, but a win is a win. So a $100 fine after after. 10, nine, 10 months of wasting time, um, $7, $7, you know, fee on top of that, but whatever, we'll call that tax. If you, you know, I'm not, I'm less concerned about the $7 fee than I am about the, you know, the $30, um, victim compensation charge. So got that one waived $7 extra 107 bucks, um, walked out of there. And, and now to take the fight with me, um, to the free state project and hopefully integrate into a community there, um, who enjoys doing this as much as I do. All right. I've got a bunch of headlines to read through. Uh, so let's, let's jump right into that. And, and hopefully without MC by my side, um, I can carry this show. Um, because to be honest, my, my, my motivation is a little lacking, um, with, with the, with the surgery and the move coming up. Um, there's a lot on my plate. And so I'm doing my best to, to make sure that I have show prep ready and that I'm, I'm actively out there doing stuff. Um, but right now, there's a lot on my plate. So let's just let's get to the articles, and then hopefully, hopefully, my commentary will be enough to sustain you for a few weeks. Um, headline: The free market will take care of companies that censor content. Uh, headline: Welfare spending did not decrease poverty; capitalism did. Headline: Why farm subsidies hurt small farmers. Uh, headline: Dallas mayor blames big bike sharing. Dallas mayor blames bike sharing company for recycling bikes after city's new fees killed bike sharing. Uh, headline, mom of newborn reported to state for eating a poppy seed bagel. Uh, headline, neighbor calls police on 10-year-old Iowa girl selling cookies on the street. Headline, dangerous precedent 
a wholesaler charged with trafficking marijuana for THC-free CBD gummies. And finally, headline, a secret DMV office serves lawmakers and capital staffers. Um, I tried to, I tried, what I tried to do this time, and again, hopefully I did a good job, right, um, is I tried to pull headlines because it's not necessarily um, so much on the current events. I mean, it, it, they're all related to current events. Um, but without MC to kind of like, you know, pitch in and talk about it, uh, I, I, I'm going to go with headlines first that hopefully deliver uh, more on the message of a philosophical understanding on how freedom works. Um, as opposed to just, uh, you know, uh, uh, big bad government is doing this to people today. Uh, although, you know, the, the last handful of headlines are definitely in that category of big bad government is doing bad stuff to people today. Um, so let's jump into the first headline because this was, this was a difficult situation for me. Because this is, this is related to the, um, the Alex Jones social media banning frenzy. Uh, that took place over this past week. And I've heard a lot of commentary from other commenters um, regarding the issue. And it's difficult. It's it's weird how difficult it is to find uh, a principled position on the issue in this day and age. Um, I, I'm not sure why that is. And I, I hope that this article um, carries a principled thought the the way that I was you know thinking about the issue and then and then my commentary to follow will kind of give you my perspective on everything so the free market will take care of companies that censor content Facebook Twitter YouTube at all who are censoring people and content have a right to do that uh, calling them monopolies or public utilities is the wrong way to go stressing their power is the wrong way to go uh, by which I mean it contradicts libertarian thinking about products and free markets. Uh, worrying about free speech in the context of their censorship is likewise a losing and flawed argument. Forcing companies to provide a forum of free and or diverse speech is not compatible with freedom. Uh, talking about applying antitrust to these companies is the wrong way to go in a libertarian analysis. Why? Being a big company or being the main company at present in a market doesn't give a company real and lasting power as long as the market is open to the entry of competition. As far as I know, the market for communication fora is open. This means there are not inseparable barriers, ins, inseparable barriers that prevent competitors from rising with new products that siphon customers from the present companies. I could be wrong about market openness if these companies have wrongly betrayed their positions by patents that never should be granted, in which case the appropriate targets are the laws that allow monopolization by that means. However, the analysis below assumes that other tech companies are, are feasible and exist right now that can substitute for Facebook at all. Alternatively, it assumes that entrepreneurs can find ways of delivering internet content and communications without the intermediation of these companies by other pathways. These censoring companies do not supply a public good. They are not in business chartered by society to uphold free speech. They are in business to sell a product of their own design. That product does not necessarily fit into what anyone may think as supplying a marketplace for ideas. There is no social responsibility that they possess to supply a forum that matches up with an open and unbiased forum in which ideas compete. In the same way the, that a baker can decide what customers to serve or not in a libertarian world, these kinds of companies can serve whomever they please. They can restrict content to pro-nationalists or to pro-communists or to anti-Trumpists or the neocons or to anti-war proponents or whatever group they please. In a libertarian world, because speech does not involve aggression, uh, these companies are not bound by any libertarian rules that say they must accommodate diverse views. Of course, they may be violating state-made rules or constitutional requirements, but that's another story. However, libertarians should not be invoking flawed civil rights legislation to justify further flawed state control over these companies. Is that clear? What you and I think of a car with tail fins or that supposed gas uh, guzzles gas, or what you and I think of a movie in which orgies are depicted or a self-styled comic whose vocabulary consists of seven swear words, it doesn't matter in a free market. By which I mean you and I have, uh, have no right to prevent these products from being made and sold. Similarly, we have no right to make Facebook at all serve some supposed social need by making them not censor those whom they choose to censor. 
If we deviate from the libertarian position, we may as well go full statist. In a free market, you express your opinion by refusing the ser their services or products. You can boycott them or participate in boycotts. You can criticize them in the media. You can patronize competitors. Uh, there are competitors right this minute uh, for these censoring companies. Their names are easy to find. In the comment sections discussing the suspension of Daniel McAdams, Peter Van Buren, and Scott Horton, or elsewhere. Uh, end of the article. Uh, like I said before I read the article, there's so much commentary coming from so many different directions. And this was the best one that I found that aligns with uh, my general opinion on the issue and oddly enough coming from the source uh, mains stays true um, to what I consider to be the libertarian position or the anarchist position on the issue and that's and, and like I said that's becoming more difficult for some whatever reason um, sources that I, I used to trust to provide, you know, libertarian or anarchist or free state or free market um, opinions um, have deviated from from the, what what I would consider those principled positions in favor of um, whatever suits them at the moment. And for me, um, I, I I do my best to not do that, and and. Some, sometimes I honestly, sometimes I fear like I'm living in like the, the one true Scotsman fallacy or the no true Scotsman fallacy, excuse me. Um, and like no, no true anarchist would hold these positions or, or, or only true anarchists would hold these positions. And when I hear um, other liberty minded individuals take conflicting viewpoints and, and have conflicting opinions, um, I, I, I immediately go like, well, I, I pull their anarchist card, right? Like not no longer an anarchist. Um, if that's what you believe. And so when I, um, and usually I name names, but I, I don't remember the exact source, but when I see, um, when I, when I see or hear or read, uh, other, other Liberty thinkers take to the position, well, these, these private companies uh, are basically arms of the government. Um, and therefore it's, oh, it's, it's okay to like use, use the force of the state against them. Um, to force them to change their behavior um, or to, to pass some law or legislation or something like that uh, to regulate how and who these companies can serve, um, I, I pause and I go, well, why, why would you, why, where is that coming from, right? And, and so I listen further and then I just, I go like, no, you just, what you're trying to do is use this example as, as a vendetta against the companies which you don't like. And for me, that's, that's a statist mindset, right? That's, that's what the people from the left do, uh, the, the, the liberals do, that's what the conservatives from the right do, that's what the alt-right does. Um, everyone has their own secret agenda, it seems. Um, and for a long time, the, the libertarian position or the anarchist philosophy or whatever you want to call it, um, seemed to suit those people in, in pursuing and fulfilling their own agenda. Um, and then the moment that it no longer fulfills and suits their agenda, um, then they, then they try to skew things, right? Like, no, no, it's, it's big, bad tech companies or it's big, bad corporations, um, that are taking away your freedom. Um, and, and, and we have to do whatever we can, um, you know, to, to, to stifle those big, bad corporations, uh, from taking your freedoms and so on and so forth. And, and again, for me, I just go like, okay, I, I have to, I have to take a step back and I go like, no, that's, that's just you talking about your agenda. Um, and, and, you know, so I, then I, then I try to reflect like, what is, what is my agenda? Like what, what bias am I bringing to the table? Uh, and you can, you can call in and tell me if you've, if you've listened to this show long enough or you found an episode um, where I expressed some sort of bias in one, f in one fashion or another. And you go like, no, 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 I know his bias. I know what his agenda is. Uh, then please do so call me and let me know. Cause I, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to reflect. It's another thing to get some feedback. And I, and I honestly would not mind some feedback on the issue. Um, because I believe that my agenda, like my one desire is to simply be free. 
Um, that one, one of the reasons for making the move and signing up for the Free State Project to begin with um, was the desire for more freedom. Um, and the, the state that I currently live in is so far down the list on personal and political and you know economic freedom that there, there's not very there, there's both ways to go but there's only really one way to go and that's up you know on the freedom scale like um hawaii i think the last ranking was like 47th so the the only three states that i couldn't move to was like new york new jersey and california um uh, but every every other state uh, you know in the united states was a move up the freedom scale so i i personally believe um that my bias leans toward, you know, freedom, personal freedom, uh, economic freedom, political freedom, whatever, w more, f more freedom, more better for me, um, is, you know, generally how I look at things. Uh, but I also, I also take that with the understanding that that freedom must be extended to others. Um, and I don't feel, I don't feel like, you know, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, um, are taking away my, my freedoms so much as the state does. Um, and so when, you know, I, I, I posted like, what was it? Two, three months ago at this point, maybe more. It's around May. Yeah, I think May, May of this year. Um, I, I, I received my first 24 hour ban from Facebook. And, and you know, so I, I, I wrote about it, right? Like when my, when my ban was up, I, I put together, um, a thought felt opinion, a thought filled opinion on the issue. And I posted that to Facebook because that's where I post things. And I tried to keep it as, you know, as uh, censored as possible so it doesn't get filtered out and banned again. Um, but at the same time, delivered a message that I, I don't believe, I no longer believe that Facebook is the platform um, for the exercise of freedom of speech and alter, altering opinions um, or, you know, uh, you know, different, different opinions than that of, you know, the, the general community, um, because it's, it's, it's skewed so far to the left naturally that there's, there's no place for, you know, what I called, you know, satire or, or, you know, anything or humor, humor and satire as it was what I considered, uh, you know, to, to be the biggest things B based on my experience and what I was banned for, um, and the way that I interact with my friends, uh, that I, you know, real life or otherwise on Facebook, like it was no longer a place for that sort of behavior. Um, and so other platforms pop up, um, and I've, uh, I've tried some out over the, you know, I, I had a Google plus page. Um, I signed up for LO. I, I don't know how far I got in diaspora. Um, you know, what, what, whatever new thing pops up, I sign up for, and then no one comes with me. And then I end up back on Facebook, which is unfortunate, but it doesn't mean that the competition isn't out there. So when I look back at this article and, you know, the, the names listed at the bottom, um, Daniel McAdams, Peter Van Buren and Scott Horton, um, who were, who were, you know, also part of the, the, you know, the, the roundup of, of dissenting opinions that got banned, um, starting with Alex Jones, Alex Jones is probably the biggest name when Scott Horton, another big name for ant for his anti-war articles and thoughts, um, but Alex Jones being the, you know, the, the conservative conspiracy theorist um, that he is and his, his way to incite people and get them enraged along with them um, is beautiful, beautiful entertainment. And I've said this before, um, you know, I've, I've listened to Alex Jones on and off um, for over a decade now. Like I'm not a, I'm not a religious listener to his show. Uh, but I do find his shtick to be very entertaining. And what I told my friend who was, you know, a big time Alex Jones guy, I said, you know, you got to take the message with a grain of salt because Alex Jones is good at mixing in facts with speculation, right? He's very good at going like, this is what they're doing. And then extrapolating that, uh, to, to involve his conspiracy theories. Uh, and what you have to focus on initially is just the, the facts and information. Um, I remember I had a debate with a, a girl I was dating at the time with regards to like fluoride in the water. Right. And, you know, my general position on that was, well, it shouldn't be added by the state. Right. You know, or the water companies. And if, and if it's going to be added by the water companies, there should be an alternative, you know, water supply company that you can use that doesn't do that. Um, 
but like you know i'm sure it's like this where you are um you know your your water company is a territorial monopoly controlled you know by the government um so they they have a say and they do as they please and so i sent her you know the the info wars or the yeah the info wars link uh, that had like you know dozens of citations on you know studies that have been done on like you know fluoride and the the damages that it causes um you know to to human beings and rather than click through and read the studies right she dismissed it outright because the source was infowars and and you know so for me i go well you're you're missing the point right you don't have to go all conspiratorial on it you can just you can just look at the studies read the facts of the matter and then decide for yourself you know whether or not you want the choice to put that in your body um, we, you know, we got into it a couple episodes ago with vaccinations, so I won't recap that here, but it should always be a freedom of choice on what you put into your own body. Um, and so, you know, sites like Infowars, Prison Planet, and Alex Jones, and all those other conspiracy sites, you know, they, they, they present the facts, um, as well as the speculation, and it's up to you to decipher which is which. So there, there's some advice for you there, um. But companies like Facebook and YouTube and all those other ones, um, they don't have to post Alex Jones content. They don't have to, right? It's like it's just one of those things. It's like it's their platform. Was I upset when I got my 24-hour ban from Facebook? Um, yeah, because I I personally felt that it was unjustified um, based on the nature of my comment. You know that that got the ban, um, but it was also a revelation. That this is no longer the platform for that sort of that sort of speech, or that sort of satire, or that sort of comedy for me, right? And so I, I attempted to move elsewhere. You know, I uh, I post the show now, um, not only on Twitter because you know they, they still allow me, um, but I, I post it um, on my personal page on Gab because Gab seemed to be a place, you know, when when all the uh, when all the alt right people were getting banned off everywhere, a lot of them landed there. And far be it for me, you know, like I know where to get my liberal news from, right? But if I want the dissenting opinion, you know, you, you got to find it elsewhere. And I like hearing both sides and forming my own opinion anyway. So I, I migrated there, you know, just to get that. And I don't spend nearly as much time there as I do on Facebook, but it's it's there. Um, and so Alex Jones could simply move there. And, who, and he's probably got the caring power to move a whole bunch of people with him, right? You know, he, he, he's the conspiracy guy that says they're all coming after you. And then they go after him and he goes, great. You know, now, now's the time to, to move platforms and to bring a handful of people with you. Um, and it was difficult. This was the first article that I found on this entire issue this week that maintained the libertarian position of companies and corporations have the right to do whatever they want and serve whomever they want. Um, so long as, you know, they're, they're not granted a monopoly by the state, right? And, and until, like the article said, the Facebook and, and YouTube, they might be the biggest players in the game, uh, but they're not the only players in the game, and they're not granted that monopoly status by the state. There's, there's nothing, there's no intervention by the state um, on these platforms as far as, you know, the, the typical user is concerned. You, you know, it's, it's not there. And if you believe that there is, Right. If you believe that Facebook is spying on you and that YouTube is, you know, monitoring you and all this other nonsense, well, then leave the platform. Right. No, no one's forcing you to stay on the platform. Um, you know, government monopolies like uh, uh, like the electric and the water, they kind of force you onto the platform. We had an article um, last week that we didn't get to about the state forcing um, uh, an Amish woman to like to tie in her water to the state to, you know, to put a, an electrical pump on her water supply and tie it into their, their water system, um, in violation of her religious rights. Um, you know, so, so when the state forces you to use a service, um, or when the state prevents you from using a service, um, that you would, that you would, you know, you and the service provider would otherwise voluntarily enter an agreement to use. Um, that's when I take issue. Right. I, that's that's the freedom line right there. Um, but but getting getting censored or banned off of private platforms um, doesn't count. It's not even a free speech issue. Uh, you know, when I when I went into to court um, to to plea out, unfortunately, 
um, you know, my, my attorney decided that she wanted to take the opportunity to lecture me on the law. Um, you know, she's, she, she called it the, you know, an opportunity to counsel defendants on, on, you know, where things stand. Um, and I, I, I argued with her a little bit back and forth. Um, but the, 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 the crux of her argument was that, you know, the, the state has decided that it can infringe on rights, um, through legislation and through court rulings, um, rather than, you know, amending the constitution, which was the point of my case, right? Like I, I, I've read the sixth amendment. I was, you know, I, I understand that I was going to lose at every step of the way. And so it's never, it's not about winning per se. It's about, it's about fighting regardless, right? You know, if, if, if you don't fight, you've already lost. Same, just like the $30 charge, right? Like, you know, she said, you're probably not going to get it. They normally don't do it, yada, yada, yada. And as soon as I had my opportunity to say something, boom, spoke up, got it done. Because, you know, and the answer is always no until you ask. So she decided to, you know, to lecture me. And she said, well, they, they, she said, you know, they, they ruled this way and they've interpreted the Constitution this way. And I said, well, that's, that's their opinion. And I'd say that they're wrong. It's an, it's an absolute infringement, um, you know, on rights. So because the court has infringed on the Sixth Amendment rights and interpreted it to not mean what it says, right, therefore it's for the, for the rest of time, right, their, their interpretation and their infringement is now the law of the land. And she compared it to yelling, you know, fire in a crowded theater, right, or inciting a riot, um, though those two things don't fall under free speech as laid out uh, in the First Amendment. And I went, well, a lot of that is just a property rights thing. You can't yell fire in a movie theater. Um, you know, you, you should be able to, right? You should be able to um, if it was a if it wasn't a private uh, privately owned establishment, right? If you're in your own private home and you have guests over and you want to yell fire, um, you should absolutely be able to do so because it's 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 a property rights thing, um, and you can call me a, a propertarian or you know a property rights libertarian or whatever uh, all you want. I you know I that's that's kind of my position on things is if 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 it's yours, um, you can do as you wish with it. You know that's that's the way property rights work. It's what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, and you don't get to tell me what to do with my stuff. Um, and so with, with these, with these companies, again, like it's their platform, they can, they can have it. So when I hear other libertarians and other anarchists say that, no, 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 you know, because they're the biggest and because they're a monopoly and because they're, you know, in bed with the government, right. You know, sending data to the CIA and all this other nonsense, um, that the, the laws should, that, you know, that there should be laws where they're not allowed to do this and we should fight. Uh, to 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 make to force these companies to to serve to serve us and our views and all the dissenting viewpoints out there, and you know, sure if you want if you want to fight, but the fight shouldn't be it shouldn't be a legal battle. It should be you know a a a, um, a public battle, right? If, if that makes sense, right? It should be a battle. It should be a, an opinion battle in the public space where you say. You know, you, you threaten boycotts and all this other stuff and get them to change their ways. And, you know, I'm going to digress again because it reminded me um, yet again of, of you know, uh, worker power. Right. Like uh, we, we we've discussed enough and you can listen to past shows about the issues that I've had at work um, regarding pay. And, you know, the 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 opinion battle is a place where that matters. So we had uh, one of our employees, a good cook. You know, not a uh, little, little stubborn, older Japanese dude. Um, but he alone fought to get us all a raise, right? He's, he, you know, they, they took away our, our commission and our tip money um, some months ago. And a lot of people quit over it. And a lot of people decided to, you know, to, like I walked off the line once when I found out that they were doing it without my consent and then renegotiated. Um, but he said he threatened to quit. Just him. Like, I'm going to quit unless everybody starts getting their commission and their, and their, you know, their, their tip money back and the company caved in. Right. So you, you can stand up for what you believe is right without infringing on the rights of the organization you're going up against. So if there was a mass movement uh, of people, you know, uh, migrating away from Facebook and away from, 
um, YouTube and, and away from Twitter and all this other stuff and, and you know, creating platforms um, that al- allow this type of content. Um, and the platform will never be a public thing, right? It'll always be a private carrier and you hope to find one um, that allows for, for this type of dissenting opinion. Otherwise, you go create one, right? Um, if, if enough people move away from that, then the company has to rethink their policies, and has to rethink the way that they do business uh, in order to stay in business and to keep providing those services for everybody. Um, you know, we, 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 again, I also had a, a show prep article last week about uh, Cody Wilson and his ghost gunner thing. And again, so was it last year during the, the Charlottesville and the alt-right uh, uprising um, where those people were getting banned left and right from social media platforms um, and, and, you know, and, funding sources and Patreon and, you know, GoFundMe. And I believe it was Cody Wilson who just said like, okay, we're, we're starting a new GoFundMe campaign for the alt-right company, you know, for the alt-right. And he called it like GoFundMe, like whatever, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not thrilled with the name, but it's funny and it plays into, you know, the alt-right biases and all the other stuff. But, it, uh, but it just highlights the fact that if you get banned from one platform you're not you're not shit out of luck, right? You're not SOL on it. There there are other alternatives and other places for you to move to. Uh, and for Alex Jones, right, the media attention that it gets, you know, just because he's Alex Jones and he's the conspiracy theorist, um, is enormous. Because you go, okay, Alex Alex Jones banned everywhere. Where is he going to end up, and where is he going to land next? And you know, we'll wait and see. But you know, one of the the things that got highlighted after the fact was the official app. Uh, for the Alex Jones show and, and you know, uh, InfoWars um, shot up the rankings uh, in the, the, I, you know, the iTunes app store because people want the content. And if they're not going to get the content on Facebook, well, then it's just so be it, right? There, there's other ways to get his content. He's not, he's not gone for good, right? He still does a radio show at the very least. You can, you know, find a way to listen to him there. Um, but his message will get out. And he, just Facebook doesn't—he he doesn't have a right to get it out on Facebook and Twitter and and YouTube. He's got to find other ways. Um, so yeah, so you know this is this is the only article that I could find that maintained what I believe to be that principled position um, that companies have a right to serve whom they please. You know the the baker, the internet company, you know the the tattoo artist, whoever it happens to be. Um, you don't get you you don't get to to censor them or to force them to serve you simply because you disagree. And, you know, from the libertarian position with the bakers, like bakers have the right to, to not, you know, to not bake Christian bakers have a right to not bake a cake for gay couples. And I go, all right, well, the, the gay couples got to find like a gay bakery then, or, or, you know, a, a regular bakery that serves them. And, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. And if you're an oppressed minority, right in in whatever fashion um that doesn't change anything right if if you're if you're if you're an oppressed minority unable to find work or unable to buy groceries or unable to do this and unable to do that um i feel bad for you but that doesn't give you carte blanche to then go and use the the uh the guns of the state right the 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 violence of the state to, to force people to serve you Right. It just that's not how freedom works. Right. You, you can be you can be, you know, a libertarian transgendered activist. Right. And, and, and then say, like, no, 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 we need because I'm a because I'm a minority. Right. We need to pass laws where these companies must serve me. And I go, well, then you drop the libertarian title. Right. Drop the anarchist title. Just call yourself what you are. Um, and that's a statist. You know, who wants to, who is okay using the violence of the state um, to, to get people to serve you. And, in the, you know, again, in, the, in this case, uh, with the article, it's, it's using the violence of the state uh, to force Facebook and Twitter and YouTube um, to not censor dissenting viewpoints. And that's, that's, not the, that's not the role or should not be the role of the state and should not be what libertarians are asking the state to do. Um, not the anarchist position, not the libertarian position. Um, if you have a dissenting viewpoint and you want to use uh, violence of the state to force, you know, uh, people who disagree with you to, to put your opinion on their platform, well, then you're just as bad as them. Just as bad. 
Um, and I hope that I've communicated the pro-freedom aspect uh, of this message and, and my opinion on this uh, well enough. So I'm going to move on. But before I move on, because <laughs> I, just, I just thought of uh, one more example that I wanted to use in a conversation recently with a, a Facebook friend of mine who was having an issue with uh, people violating his intellectual property um like he's a clothing manufacturer so i don't i don't know exactly what ip they were taking from him like use of his logo or company name or whatever um and so i got i posted my opinion on it and i never really heard back from him directly but one of his other i guess mutual friends and i had a a little bit of a back and forth on the issue which is the same thing right The, the pro freedom issue um is always you don't get to tell me what to do with my property, um, and the, the the biggest violation of intellectual property is it takes uh, your thoughts and uses your thoughts and your ideas to stop me from using my actual real property, right? So like let let's assume for a minute that it, they were like stealing his designs and and logos and whatever. Um, if if I buy the material and and I sew the clothes together. You know, including you know, create you know, recreating his logo on on my property. Um, it's still mine, right? It's, it's my thread. It's my material. It's 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 my ink, my lo- you know, my my time um, to put it all together. And and the intellectual aspect of it is just pseudo, right? It's like it's not real. It's fake. It's a it's a it's a creation of the state, and not that good. So you know the the. One of the comments was, I want to hear that, like, you know, hippie commie bullshit that everyone owns everything. And what's the exact opposite? Like, I'm not saying you own everything, but what you don't own uh, is what is mine, right? You don't get to tell me what to do with my stuff, right? When when music piracy was a big thing, you know, before MP3 players and and iPods and iPhones were all the rage, right? You know, you had to burn a CD. And I bought that CD. Right, I bought that CD. I bought the hard drive that the music was stored on. It's mine. You don't get to tell me what bits I can fill up the hard drive with and what bits I can put on the CD. Um, you know, once, once, once it's out there, you know, one of the things I did say is like intellectual property comes from a scarcity mindset. Right? It's a it's a belief that um, because I have my idea, um, you're not allowed to use it. Right? Um, but once you put your idea out there, um, it's it's you know it's it's for the world to use. Right. That's that's how knowledge and information works. That's what teachers do um, or educators do on a regular basis. They, they use accumulated knowledge um, from the, the, the millennia of human existence and they put it out there. And because you came up with a good idea, no one else is allowed to use that, you know, is ridiculous from that perspective, um, regardless of what it is. Um, and so I, I just, you know. When it, when it comes to, again, property rights, what's mine's is mine's, and what's yours is yours, and what's in your head, once it comes out of your mouth, um, is now added, you know, to the, the lexicon of human thought. You know, it's no longer your idea once you put it out there. If you, if you want to maintain that idea, you know, you keep it in your head, or you put that secret recipe uh, in a vault somewhere where no one else can find it, um, and you protect it to the best of your ability. Right. Like that's that's the best you can do is to not share that idea with anybody, um, because once you put it out there, it's 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 manifested into existence forever for everyone and anyone to use. And that's just that's that's the nature of reality uh, in which government tries to stifle. Moving on. Welfare spending did not decrease poverty. Capitalism did. Uh, Some argue that the big government welfare state is to thank for the reduction in global extreme poverty levels, but they're just plain wrong. Uh, Last September, I shared some very encouraging data showing how extreme poverty dramatically has declined in the developing world. And I noted that this progress happened during a time when the Washington consensus was resulting in neoliberal policies, meaning classical liberal, in those nations confirmed by data from economic freedom of the world. Uh, and there's a really cool chart in the article. So if you go to our, our uh, show prep page, um, you know, you can take a look at this and, and all the other things. Um, in other words, uh, pro-market policies were the recipe for poverty reduction, not foreign aid or big government. 
Sadly, the Washington consensus has been supplanted. Bureaucracies such as the International Monetary Fund, the United Nations, and the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development are now pushing a statist agenda based on the bizarre theory that higher taxes and more spending somehow produce prosperity. Uh, to add insult to injury, some people now want to rewrite history and argue that free markets don't deserve credit for the poverty reduction that already has occurred. Esteban Ortiz Espina, writing for Our World in Data, wants readers to conclude that redistribution programs deserve credit. Uh, the share of people living in extreme poverty around the world has fallen continuously over the last two centuries. Many often say that globalization in the form of free market capitalism is the main force to be thanked for such remarkable historical achievement. Uh, this focus on free market capitalism alone is misguided. Governments around the world have dramatically increased their potential to collect revenues in order to redistribute resources through social transfers. Uh, the reach of governments has grown substantially over the last century. The share of total output that government control is much larger today than a century ago. And for evidence, Mr. Ortiz Espina included this chart. Again, you got to go to the, the article to read it. Uh, I shared a version of the data back in June, asserting that the explosion of social welfare spending made this Western world's most depressing chart. Uh, so does Ortiz Espina have a compelling argument? Does poverty go down as welfare spending goes up? Uh, nope. John Norberg, Johan, Johan Norberg, points out that there is a gaping flaw in this argument, an enormous, gigantic hole. <coughs> and now you got to watch the video. Wow, this isn't, this isn't just a flaw, it's malpractice. It's absurd to argue that welfare spending in developed nations somehow lead to poverty reduction in developing countries. I hope Mr. Ortiz Espina is just an inexperienced intern, because if he really understands the data, one might be forced to conclude that he's dishonest. But let's set that issue aside. Uh, Johan closes his video by explaining that poverty in rich nations declined before modern welfare states. I want to expand on that point. Uh, Johan cited Martin Ravellion, so I tracked down his work. And here's the chart he put together, which I've modified to show, uh, outlined in red, that extreme poverty basically disappeared between 1820 and 1930. Again, go to the article for the chart. But I don't think you will. And guess what? Uh, that was a period when there was no welfare state. Not only is that apparent from our world and data, it's also what we see in Vito Tanzi's numbers. Here's Tanzi's table, which I first shared five years ago, and I've circled in red. The 1880 to 1930 data to underscore that there was virtually no redistribution during the year poverty was declining. Uh, the bottom line is that poverty in the Western world fell during periods of small government, yet some people want to put the cart before the horse. They're making the absurd argument that government post-1950s welfare spending somehow... Uh, reduced poverty before the 1930s. That's absurd as Paul Krugman blaming the 2008 recession in Estonia on spending cuts that took place in 2009. P.S. For those who want U.S.-specific data, it's worth noting that dramatic reductions in American poverty all occurred before Washington launched the so-called War on Poverty. End of the article. Um, and again, I, I read this despite the fact that there's a lot of data and charts to look at. Um, because MC's not here to discuss it, so I got you know I have to talk about something, um, and I wanted to I wanted to hit bigger picture ideas, um, and that is you know uh, the the pro freedom, pro capitalism message, um, and I, and again people people will get hung up on the term capitalism, um, and I I try not to do that because I don't care as much as you do uh, about the word itself, more along the lines of um, the, the implications when you remove the state, right? Like I, I, I self-identify um, as an anarcho-capitalist, um, which has been very clear and hopefully very evident. Um, and that is because, in my opinion, the pro-freedom position is that which allows people to do, do what they please so long as they don't infringe on the rights of others. And capitalism allows for that in absence of the state. Right. You want to start a business, start a business. You want to trade free, go for it, you know, trade with whomever you want. Um, and as long as the state's not assisting you or hurting your competitors, um, I look at that as, you know, the, the capitalist mentality. Right. I go like, you know, private ownership over the means of production, um, however you want to interpret that. And if you go like, oh, a collective can own, you know, uh, the collective can own a factory. I go, yes, they can. And if that's what you want to do, then so be it. Go do that, too. Right. Like, I don't care how many people own the factory. Um, it's not a public good for everyone to use and have access to. Right. 
you know, a hundred people, a thousand people can all have shared ownership in something uh, that doesn't make it any less private. It just, it just makes it uh, <laughs> more burdensome to, to parse out and make decisions. I would think um, unless, unless that's part of the agreement when you, when you buy into it. Um, so I, so I read this article again to, to highlight the pro capitalist, the pro freedom uh, mentality that, that people ought to be doing in a world gone mad um, where, where the ideals, ideas and ideals of socialism are taking such a huge control um, over, over the minds of, you know, the, in, in the realm of the political debate, right? Why are we having a, a socialist, uh, socialism versus capitalism debate, you know, in, in 2018, right? Why is socialism back on the rise when it's done nothing but cause grief and hardship um, for everyone that's lived under it, uh, and and for everyone who's you know uh, tried to put it in place where they are, right? The most recent example being Venezuela, um, and we've stopped, you know, for whatever reason, we've stopped reading articles uh, from what's going on in Venezuela, mostly because it's to be expected at this point. You know, the you know people starving, um, you know people eating like you know weird stuff in the streets. You know, the, like the last thing I saw was like the donkey population is going down because that's people are like killing donkeys to eat you know, for food, um, you know, trying to smuggling in toilet paper and diapers from, you know, uh, other, other places in South America. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous there. And it's ridiculous that people, you know, think that it should happen here. Right. You know, just, just this, just this morning, um, just this morning, I, you know, I, I see a post, uh, from a, a younger friend of mine on Facebook, right. And I go, shit, should know better. And said, Bernie Sanders' crazy plan was to raise tax on the 1% to give everyone medical Medicare for all and expand Social Security. Uh, I think it's Paul Ryan. is like, our plan is to raise taxes on the poor and middle class, cut your Medicare and Social Security, and give all the money to the top 1%. See how that's better, right? And my comment to him was, both are wrong, right? There, there, shouldn't, be, uh, there, there shouldn't be anyone redistributing any sort of wealth at all. Right. The, the, the fact that Bernie Sanders is such great ideas about, you know, providing health care and jobs and, you know, even, even the whole UBI debate. Right. Just reeks of like bad things happening. Um, and it, it reminds me again of uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it, but I'm going to try it anyway. Like a, uh, a, an old Murray Rothbard quote. All right. Screw it. I looked it up. Uh, it is no crime to be ignorant of economics, which is, after all, a specialized discipline and one that most people consider to be a dismal science. But it is totally irresponsible to have a loud and vociferous opinion on economic subjects while remaining in this state of ignorance. Um, and I think, in general, that's how I feel about everyone that comes to the table um, with their pro-redistribution, um, pro-socialism, um, you know, uh, pro pro-universal basic whatever uh, universe, anything universally applied, I go like, well, you know, I, I see you want something to be done, right? I respect that you see a, you have a desire and you see a need that needs to be filled, um, to help the poor and the impoverished and the broken and downtrodden and all this other stuff. Um, and I want you to be successful, right? But I can't allow, and I can't, I can't support you in using the state to steal from part of the population in order to fund the rest. Right. And in so many places, it seems to be OK. They go like, well, they've got trillions of dollars. Right. Or they got they're billionaires. They can afford to allow you to have a little bit of that. Right. And it's never been about, you know, it, the debate shouldn't be about what they can afford to do or what they're allowed to do, you know, or what they should be doing with their money, I should say. Um, it should be the fact that it's theirs and they should have choice in the matter. Right. You don't just go and take the money from the rich because they're rich and you want some of it, you know, and, and you're like dirt poor or whatever. Um, there's a reason, you know, that they got there. And so long as um, that reason is pure and capitalistic, not crony, cronyism um, or government sponsored, you know, uh, money making schemes. <clears throat> as long as they've they've gotten their money. Uh, and their wealth by providing goods and services, you know, to, to other members of society, um, then by all means, they, they should have a say in how that money is spent and what they want to use it on. Uh, and you could end up with like a Bill Gates situation where they're, you know, wealthy, 
um, but love to do, you know, all those philanthropic endeavors, um, which may or may not bear fruit. Uh, who knows? I saw uh, one headline said, like, you know, Bill Gates has saved like six, Bill Gates Foundation has saved like six million lives. And I go, great, right? You know, cause no one forced him. No one forced him to do it. No one took that money from him and said, like, no, 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 we know better what to do with your money. And therefore, we get to choose what happens with it. Um, and so, so again, going trying to tie this back to the article, there's, there's no way, there's no way that stealing money from one group of people uh, with welfare spending and whatnot um, does anything productive uh, in, in creating a better society, right? It, 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 it just it doesn't work because it's not uh, what I'm going to call like a win-win situation. It's a win-lose. You take from some to give to others, and that's never a good thing, right? You know, if you allow them to do it and, you know, let the let the natural human generosity come through, um, I think you would do better and they would be more inclined uh, to help out. Um, and if not, so be it. You still don't get to tell them, you know, like you, you said, you know, we're, we're not going to tax you, but you got to donate to a charity. Right. And they go, "Nah, you're not going to tax me and I'm still not going to donate. Right. You don't then get the backtrack and go like, well, now you're not doing it our way. Uh, so we're going to take your money. Um, no, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. It just, it can't work like that ever. Right. It's, it, it's, they get, they've, they've earned it, right. If they've, if they've earned it legitimately, they get to decide for it legitimately as well. Um, and that, and that's why, um, I support, um, capitalist endeavors in, in, in all aspects of reducing whatever, whatever, um, malfeasance or malfunction or whatever you ha- you think society has. Right, whatever's going on in the world that you think needs to be improved, um, if you can find a way to do it voluntarily, uh, you, you you know you, utilizing voluntary trade and transactions, uh, without using the state, without redistributing wealth from people you think have more money than you or should be doing it instead of you, right? Um, then I support you in those actions. Uh, but when you when you you know when you lean on the state to steal from some to give to others, uh, that it just it, it, it's it's wrong. And again not the libertarian position um, or the anarchist position or any, any liberty-minded uh, position at all. Uh, so if you hear, right, no, no true libertarian would ever advocate welfare spending uh, at all, and if you hear them doing that, um, by all means, shut it down. Pull, pull their libertarian cred card uh, and, and, you know, make way with it in that, in that respect. All right, moving on. Uh, why farm subsidies hurt small farmers. Have you ever listened to a classical symphony and thought the music needed more distortion? Or have you ever read a newspaper and believed it would have been improved if it had more disinformation? Uh, Most of us don't appreciate distortion in our music or disinformation in our news, yet far too many do favor distortion and disinformation when it comes to pricing. Uh, Prices signal information in markets. A market is a summary term for a variety of voluntary exchanges for tangible commodities or non-tangible services. In fact, one of the most important functions of a market is to use pricing to serve as an information system, uh, creating, collecting, filtering, processing, and distributing information. When we describe a market as a free market, one of the things meant is the the prices are largely free of distortions and disinformation. This is one of the main reasons free market advocates oppose government, government intervention into markets. They inject distortions and disinformations into the pricing system. Almost always, this distortion results in an advantage of the strong over the weak, the big over the small, and the rich over the poor. A prime example is government subsidies to farmers. Uh, During the Depression, the government began subsidizing crops to save family farms. Uh, As one of the cornerstones of FDR's New Deal, the federal government created the Commodity Credit Corporation. The program is now run by the USDA, but its description sounds like something devised by the Soviet Union. Uh, the Commodity Credit Corporation is a government-owned and operated entity that created and stabilized supports and predict farm income and prices. CCC also helps maintain balanced and adequate supplies of agricultural commodities and aids in, in their orderly distribution. When the program was created in 1933, it still seemed plausible that central control over some markets, such as the markets for agriculture, could be effective. Decades of famine and starvation in the communist countries, though, showed how foolish it was to believe this distortions could lead to prosperity. Yet despite the evidence, subsidies don't work, and the New Deal socialists still believe they are essential. Uh, After discovering his trade wars were inflicting harm on U.S. farmers, President Trump now wants to use the CCC to send them $12 billion. 
Uh, U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue recently announced the USDA will use CCC and other authorities to implement a food purchase and distribution program through the Agricultural Marketing Service to purchase uninspected surplus of affected commodities such as fruits, nuts, rice, legumes, beef, pork, and milk for distribution to food banks and other nutrition programs. The USDA acts as if no one could have foreseen the unexpected surplus caused by Trump's intervention. But they are exactly what the free market advocates warned would happen. Unfortunately, this new round of subsidies, which will go towards increasing the federal debt, is in addition to the current farm subsidy program. The billions in welfare benefits big agricultural companies and even and can even harm family farms. In an interview with Business Insider, farmer Kevin Smith, co-owner of upstate New York's Sycamore Farms, explained how farming subsidies distort information and destroys the market for his crops. When the government subsidizes corn and grain in the Midwest, a farmer can afford to grow 10,000 acres of corn, no matter the demand. All of the corn is pre-contracted and supplemented on the back end. It would make no sense for a small farmer to try to grow that much corn because you can't sell that much at market. There's only a fixed amount of material like seeds and fertilizers in the market. As subsidized farms buy and, uh, buy, and buy materials, which they can because of the subsidies, resources get scarce and prices go up. The scarcity drives up the cost of materials, but it doesn't drive up market prices of products. Uh, notice that the th subsidies not only distort the pricing information for the crops, but also distort the information all the way down to the production chain. Uh, because the government is giving some farmers money to produce more corn than people want, the price of corn seed is artificially inflated for the farmers. Uh, the result is that the cost small farmers much more to produce the crop, but they can't charge more to make up for the additional cost. Over time, small farms, even those who get subsidies themselves, are pushed out of the market altogether. In 1985, musicians Willie Nelson, Neil Young, and John Mellencamp organized the first Farm Aid concert to raise awareness about the loss of family farms and to raise funds to keep farm families on the land. In a few weeks, they'll host the 33rd annual festival to once again try to raise money to save small farms. Uh, maybe this will be the year the concert finally calls for the one change that can actually save the farm. Uh, to tell the federal government to stop trying to control the market. Uh, end of the article. Uh, this article is just one example uh, that highlights the craziness of, of government intervention in market activity. Right? Taxation is theft and all that other stuff. Um, but when we, when we think about interference uh, in the economy, this is it. So uh, President Trump has been in the news for the past few weeks or so um, regarding you know his his more subsidies like this uh, and also the the tariffs that he's imposing on goods from other countries like China and all the retaliation right you know uh, they uh, US puts a tariff on foreign goods and then the foreigners rec uh, re you know re react by putting a tariff on US goods and then Trump uh, you know issues a, a, a subsidy for the the US goods affected uh, by the tariffs right and round and round we go uh, with with utter nonsense right just stay away um, as the article suggests you know get get the federal government to stop trying to control the market uh, not just in farms uh, but in all goods across the entire economy uh, period end of story and leave everyone alone um, it's amazing to me that people from either side can argue against or would argue against uh, you know free market interaction and free market exchange right at, at any level uh, on, on an individual level, if you want to barter with somebody, you should be able to do so. On a national level, you know, or, or a corporate level, if you want to trade with certain people and not other people, um, you know, you should be able to do so. Much like we talked about in the in the first article, um, you know, uh, the, let the market decide uh, who is fit to who is fit to succeed uh, and who is doomed for failure uh, based on their ability to to produce uh, valuable goods and services in a free market. Right. No, no one other than market participants should be controlling the outcome of those exchanges. Uh, and any time you get the government involved, um, I like the way they put it, uh, distorts, uh, you know, distorts and provides disinformation um, into that system and, and into those into those exchanges where no one's really sure um, what's going on. Uh, you can go down the list um, of, of all the different areas of the economy. Um, and, and, you know, all the different um, goods and services that are provided throughout the economy and anywhere you look where, you know, the, the, the higher the function of government uh, interfering, uh, distorting and providing disinformation in that market, um, 
the the higher the prices will seem to be based on you know what what you would normally value the goods and services to be at right uh, in, in the areas where there's less rules and less regulations and so on uh, prices seem to come down right goods and services seem to increase in in, in quality and value um, and everyone's happy and then in the areas where there's not um, for some odd reason right or not some odd reason but for for very noticeable reasons and, and predictable reasons uh, the prices rise and it it's you know balloons out of control uh, farming with the tariffs and whatnot health care um, you know rent in the areas where there's like rent control and you know and, and all that other you know for just about anything right think think about whatever you're thinking about as far as you know the goods and services you like to to use or produce um, and just imagine if it would be better or worse uh, with more government interference um, and I know a lot of big companies you know will say but better you know, big government interference because it keeps the smaller guys out, right? Um, but from a consumer perspective, that's not good either. And that gets into, uh, you know, the crony, the cronyism or crony capitalism where people use the government, um, you know, where corporations use the government to get what they want and keep other competitors out. And that's, you know, that's, that's not what I would consider true capitalism or anarcho-capitalism or any sort of free market benefit, you know, free market capitalism that, that benefits both producers and consumers um, at value uh, for what they produce or what they bring to the exchange themselves. Um, running short on time, so I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us. AnarchistExperience.com, Facebook.com slash AnarchistExperience. Uh, if you want to read the rest of the show prep that I had uh, or, or help uh, with the show prep content, do that in the groups, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchist experience. Uh, find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash the anarchist exp. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, we do that through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you all next week. Peace.